This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. Happy Easter to everybody. During Christmas time, I always bring a Christmas uh, lesson, and during Easter, I always teach pretty much the same one, but in a different way. So what I have been doing over the last, I guess, year that I've been teaching is covering every single apostle from birth to the grave, where they lived, how they lived, what they did for a living, and and uh, how they were executed and how they lived their lives. And I've learned quite a bit by, by not only uh, studying it, but being able to, to bring it out. Uh, the last time I taught, we taught on Matthew, and uh, that leaves us with Judas Iscariot, John, Thaddeus, and, and Matthias, the one that was uh, became an apostle uh, after Judas hung himself. But we'll get to those the next time or further in, but we're going to... I'm going to start in, a, in Second Peter here to lead us into this lesson. And, uh, and this is uh, important to me to get, in, get into it. And I know the pastor is pre preaching on Peter, but I'm not going to get into Peter. But if we can go to Second Peter to start off with this morning and look at two verses here that's going to lead us into something that's really powerful this morning. If you look at Second Peter... Chapter 1, verse 4. It says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in this world through lust. And the verse I want to really focus on this morning, leading into the lesson, is number is verse 12. Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Though ye know them, and be established in present truth. Yeah, I think it's meet as long as I am in this tabernacle, in this body, in this place we're living, in this flesh, to stir you up by putting in you into remembrance of, the, of, of these things. And so I'm going to be talking on the Passover today because it's leading into the resurrection. And uh, I know... Uh, a year or so ago, we covered every single feast, every single uh, ordinance from start to finish. We explained every one of them, but we're going to be in Exodus chapter, uh, let's see, 11 this morning to start with. And what exactly is Passover? What exactly it, it, it led to? We're going to get into some parts of it in Hebrews. And something about midnight in the scriptures. I'm not uh, going to be whole detailed on that, but how the first Passover was set up and how it was a four, how it, it was a type of Christ leading up to it because Christ became our Passover when he was crucified. So we will look at uh, Exodus chapter 11 and we, I'm going to read a lot of scriptures this morning and I'll uh, talk a whole lot about them as we're going through it. But in Exodus chapter 11, all the plagues that uh, the God had sent on to Egypt with, uh, with 
with the Jews that are in there held captive. This last final one set the stage for actually the crucifixion of Christ. Verse 1, And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet I will bring one more plague upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt, and afterwards he will let it to go. Verse 4, and Moses, and Moses said, he's talking to the people, Thus saith the Lord, about midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon the throne, even to the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of the beast. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as none there was none like it, nor shall it be any more. But against the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know that the Lord doth put a difference between Egyptians and Israel. Okay, it's important about uh, the dates that I'm going to give you. It's important to, 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 to focus in on that. Verse ch chapter 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month, this is going to be April, shall be the beginning of months for you. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month shall they take them a man, every man a lamb, according to his house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. If the household be too little for the lamb, let him take his neighbor, let him and his, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to the eating of shall they take count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, and he shall take it out of the sheep and from the goats, and he shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take the blood and strike the two post side posts and upon the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall, they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh that night roasted with fire, unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs shall they eat it. This part right here is really important here. Eat it not raw, nor sorting with water, nor roast with fire, the head, the legs, and with the prudence thereof. That's all the guts. They're taking the whole animal and throw it on a fire. What they don't eat, they're going to burn it all up. That little verse there is important because we'll get to another verse there. Is They're not going to cut it up. They're not going to stake it because there's not a bone going to be broken on this sacrifice on the very first Passover. That's a prophecy that we'll get to in a minute leading up to how Christ died on the cross and there was no bones broken in him. But we'll get to that here shortly. Verse 10, And ye shall let nothing of it remain till the morning, and that which remaineth it shall until the morning shall be burnt with fire. And thus ye shall eat it with your loins girded with your shoes and your feet and your staff in your hands, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. This becomes the very first Passover. And it's a Passover because when the, when the death angel came in, anybody that was inside the blood, inside the doorpost that had the blood on it, the death angel passed over them and God spared them. 
And uh, and it's interesting to know when you when when I study this further, it didn't matter how good they were. It didn't matter how bad they were. It doesn't matter how what they've done all their life. It didn't matter anything. When they were covered with the blood, the death angel passed over. The judgment passed over. The, all the all that was needed necessary for that death angel to see for a life to be spared is who's behind the blood, who's covered. Okay, here we, let's get for a little further down. Verse twelve of chapter yeah, verse twelve, twelve. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against the, all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord your God. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. It didn't say when I see how good you are, how many times you've sacrificed, how many, you know, all the tithes that you've given, all the offers. But God's telling them, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. And that's just like our lives now, no matter how rotten and, 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 and evil we are with our own hearts and our imaginations. Once we accept Christ and we confess our sins, we're safe. That's all he looks at. That's all God cannot look on sin. But when we bring our sins to, to Christ and ask him to forgive us, God sees that blood and that's acceptable. And here's, here's uh, verse 14. This is pretty cool how we're going to get into the New Testament here shortly. It says, And this day shall be for you, unto you a memorial. You shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations, and you shall keep it a feast by ordinance forever. Okay, here we're going to, this is all leading up. We're going to get to Christ becoming our Passover. Okay. We'll go to Exodus, that was uh, 14. Okay, now we're going to go to verse 29. And it came to pass that at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. You see here, at midnight is important all through Scripture, and uh, I might not have time to get into that part of it, about the virgins that went out and, uh, and some had oil and some did not have oil. And the Bible says that at midnight, the cry was made, those that were ready went in. Those that were not, did not. I'm not putting a prediction on saying that the Lord's going to be coming anytime on midnight or there's going to be judgment on midnight. But I, more than likely somewhere in this earth, it's going to be midnight somewhere. So I'm not going to sit there and say, he's coming at midnight. So don't uh, read into something that I'm not saying. Okay, verse 12. All right, let's see. Here's some important... Uh, Information that's that's uh, really cool too. Verse uh, trying to get to it. Twelve, Exodus twelve, verse twenty-six. Let me back up some. And it shall come to pass. This is verse twenty-six of chapter twelve. When your children shall say unto you, what meaning of the service? What are we still celebrating Passover? All these years have come by and we're Passover, Passover. Every year they were, they were told they had to do it. They had to celebrate Passover. That was one of the feasts. There's four that are holy convocations. A holy convocation in the scripture is when all the land, all the Jews had to come and center around and, and participate. 
It was just it was an ordinance. Just like the Day of Atonement. That's once a year when the high priest goes in and, and offers a sacrifice for the sins. But it says, verse uh, 25 of chapter 12, And it shall come to pass, when ye shall come into the land, when the Lord give you according to as he has promised, that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass, when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by the service? That ye say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptian to deliver our houses, and the people bowed their head in worship, and the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded, as Moses and Aaron did they. Okay. Verse 37. This is just some numbers to show you how massive this exodus actually was. And the children of Israel, of Israel journeyed from Ramsey to Sukkoth was about 600,000 on foot that were men. That's a, that's a whole lot of people. Besides the children, and the mixed multitude went up with them, the flocks, the herds, and very much cattle. And they baked unleavened cakes and dough And when they were brought it out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt, and they could not tarry, neither could they prepare for themselves victuals. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt with Egypt was 430 years. They were in bondage 430 years. They knew no other way of life but slavery. That's how, that's how you know, that, that's, that was their way of life. 430 years, can you imagine that? And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out of the land of Egypt. And it is, it is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is the night that the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel for their generations. Verse 43, And the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall be no stranger either, but every man's servant that thou that bought for money when thou hast circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. What he's saying is he's not discriminated against anybody that wants to, to, to participate in Passover. This is the first, then we'll get, we'll get a little further into it here, but this is the prophecy I was talking about, about the bones not being broken. Verse 46, And the house that shall be eaten of, shalt thou not carry forth aught of the flesh abroad out of the house, neither shall you break a bone thereof. This is why they put them, when they, when they did this first Passover, the entire animal was put on, they, they, guts and all, nothing was cut. They wouldn't want to take a chance of even shimming a bone. Everything was cut. They ate the meat and burnt everything else up with a fire to ash. Okay. Now we're going to go to Exodus chapter 13. And this, we're, we're getting further along here. I'm telling you, this, this may be boring to some, but if you understand what's happened here, and when we get to the cross, it's, it's, a, it's a total blessing. It is to me anyway. Exodus chapter 13. Okay. Verse 4. Well, let's get start with verse 1. 13, 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify me all the firstborn, whosoever that opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day, 
in which he came out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by great strength of the hand of the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. This day came ye out the month of Bib. That's April. That is the month of April. April the 14th. That's when the Passover was eaten and they, and they did their exodus. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hevites and the Jebusites that he swear unto the fathers, give thee a land, give thee a land flowing with milk and honey that thou shalt keep this service in this month. See, we're in April now. We've just celebrated Passover. This preparation of Passover on, on three different accounts. You've got a preparation for, on, on the, on this time of year, they, pre they had a preparation for the Sabbath, which was a Saturday, a preparation for the lamb, and a preparation for the eating of the meal of the Passover. I might get a chance to cover each, the, the significance of each of those, but in uh, Exodus 23.5, we're going to... Uh, let me see, that might not be the one I want. No, I'm not going to do that one. Let me go further down in here. Okay. Uh, hang on just a second. All right, we're going to flip over to the New Testament. I just wanted to establish the fact that the Passover was, was ordained of the Lord from the very beginning, and he had the cross in, the, in, in mind. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to do a couple of, actually 25. I'm going to read a couple of the New Testament scriptures and then get into the meat of what I want to really talk about. Matthew 25. Let's see, verse 1 through 10. Here we go. No, I'm not, that's what I did not want to, I'm going to spend too much time. I just was going to come. Let's look at verse 6. That's the one I wanted to talk about, about the midnight. Matthew 25, verse 6. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go out to meet him. But I don't, I don't know if you know that story or not, how that was, uh, let's, let's read it. First, chapter 25. Verse 1, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened to ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bride, the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Now the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Now what they're, telling, what they're saying is that with their mouth they worshiped, with their mouth they were served, with their mouth they... But they did not have the filling of the Holy Spirit. They weren't actually born again. Again, if you study that, that scripture in detail, you'll see when the Lord said, depart from me, that, that they never had the Spirit of the Lord with them. Verse 2, five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. They took their bodies with no Holy Spirit. But the wise took oil in their lamps in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. 
And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps have gone out. That's like me going to you. It's hypothetically, the rapture's coming. Let me have your salvation, Jesus. You go face judgment. I want your salvation. Can't happen. It's an individual thing. It's a personal thing. You can't give your salvation to somebody else. That comes from the Holy Spirit. Verse 9. But the wise answer saying, not so, lest there be not enough for us. And then you, but go ye rather to, to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they were, went to buy, the bridegroom came and they were ready that went in, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. When the rapture takes place, my friend, the door is going to be shut. Just like in the days of Noah, when they were on that ark, the door was shut. A whole lot of people want to get saved after, after, after the event. There's a whole lot of people want, you know, when they realize that, the, that, the, that, they're, that they're lost, there's going to be a whole lot of people at the great white throne judgment when they're standing before God that's going to want, oh, just give me one more chance. They're going to want to get saved at that, and it's, that's not going to happen. You know, I, sometimes I, in my own life, I don't like to picture people in hell. I don't like to picture, I don't even like to open my mind to that door, but I can't help it sometimes when I got friends that I know by their own testimony, and I can't judge if nobody knows the secret, nobody knows for sure what, what is going, but by their own testimony, they died lost. I can't help in my own mind, but just saying, oh my goodness, you know, can you imagine a soul and it's over? Where, where the tree fell, that's it. It's no hope. That's just, to me, it's just petrifying to me. I, it just makes me want to, to just smile when I go to a store sometimes. Just say hello sometimes. Don't get so angry on the road. Just, just be a testimony that somebody can see something and see a hope somewhere. I might not lead them to the Lord, but do you know that if you're polite to somebody, you know, they, they could leave happy and get to you, and you could lead them. You could, hey, just invite them to church, and they'd be ready to receive it. You know, our testimony outside of this church is, is much more important. Well, not much more important. It's easy to have a good testimony here. Me before you right here, I can have a good testimony here. I get prayed up, I get prayed. But let me tell you something. Ten minutes after I get on this road out here, I'll lose it just like that. All I got to do is get behind some idiot. And my testimony is shot inside. I might not, I might not do the gestures out of my used to do. But inside is, is where it counts. And that's what God looks at. You know, how, I'm not in the frame of mind to sit there and tell somebody that's, that's, that's going 10 miles an hour in a 55, hey, let me show you how to be saved. No, I'm telling, I'm not telling. See, my wife gets on me all the time. I'm going to get back to the lesson. She, she, I get her so angry. You're not being much of a Christian flying around him like that. No, I said, what does the Bible say, Teresa? It said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So I'm passing them because I would love them to pass me and get on up the road. So I'm, I'm doing to them what I want them to do to me. <laughs> that's, that's not what it means, but that's, that's, what, that's my explanation to her. And uh, I thought it was cool anyway. All right, so let's... Uh,
And we're going to really get into something good here in a minute. I'm just setting the, the framework for this uh, the Passover. Let's see. Okay, Matthew chapter 26 now. Chapter 26, verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus finished all these sayings, he said to the disciples, You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. I'm just showing you here that right from the very beginning, back in Exodus, April the 14th, back in their first month, that this, this night right here, that's what that was all about, the very first Passover. I'm going to show you a couple of... I'm going to go back and forth to the, through the scriptures here. And uh, now let's go to Mark chapter 14. I'm going to flip through a whole bunch of scriptures. It'll make sense once I get to what I really want to talk about. So it's hard for me to teach the lessons. I've got one main point that takes me a half hour to get to the one main point that I'm really excited about talking about. <laughs> Mark chapter 14. I promise you, you won't be disappointed very, very, very shortly. Same, same thing, same scenario here. 14.1 of, of Mark. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. And they said, no, not on the feast day, because that is an uproar of the people. See, Christ was crucified right at Passover. He became the Passover. And there's certain things that they couldn't do on the Sabbath day. So if, the, if, you, if you, without getting into a whole lot of detail about it, if you did some personal study on the events, the time, the, 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 and how it was set up, and go back and follow it in Exodus, you'll see that, that it's completely, uh, God had it all in, all in play, everything, to this, for this moment right here. Okay. Now we're going to get to the meat of what I want to talk about. Okay, from Matthew chapter 27. This is going to be really cool for you if you don't know much about it. I've taught on it before. You ever thought about the veil of the temple? How much of that do you really know about it? Okay. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures and I'm going to tell you to get into something that's, that's going to really bless your heart here about the veil. Okay, Matthew chapter 27, verse 51. This is right after Christ has given up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. In Old Testament service, you had, when the temple was built, you had two, two veils. The inner veil is where the, 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 the first veil is where all of the priests did all of their functions of the tabernacle. Once a year, only the high priest could go behind the second veil and offer sacrifice for the sins of the people. That veil, that second veil, is 60 foot high. Picture this now. This is not a veil that some that women wear over their heads. You're talking about 60 foot high, that veil. 
30 foot wide, four inches thick. They say that they measured it by the width of a palm, the palm of a man's, man, a man's hand. When they did it, they, they built, uh, they did 72 cords. And each cord was 24 strands. When they, when they, when they put this veil together, they would, they would, they would make, they would always make more than one each year because each year they would, they would take it down so one could be cleaned and the other, and the new one put up. It took 300 priests, picture this, just to handle it and hang it. 300 priests. Okay. When the veil itself is a type of Christ's human body, it's access to God in Old Testament. That is the way man could access God. The high priest would come in trembling with the sacrifice. They said that he would have a bell tied to his leg because if he won't write, nobody could go but the high priest could go behind that second veil to the Holy of Holies where the mercy seat was, where the Ark of Covenant was. And the Ark of Covenant was manna, was Aaron's budded rod, budding rod, the Ten Commandments, the Holy of Holies. This is how man could reach God behind that veil. Is that what's ringing? Behind that veil. And so when, when, when he would come in and he would bring the sacrifice in, if that bell stopped, they would pull him out. He had a rope tied to his leg because God would strike him dead if he won't write. So they, as long as they heard that bell ringing, you know, they knew that God's accepting the sacrifice. He would come out, it is done. You know, I'm not going to get into how the, the rich will do that another day. We've already covered that quite a bit. But when that says that that veil was rent top to bottom, when they tested these veils, this veil when it was first, when they first sewed it, they took four horses, one on each corner of it, and quartered that, that veil. And they would get there and they would just beat them horses and beat them horses and beat them horses, trying to rip the veil. And they couldn't do it. They hung it. 300 priests. Now that's a lot of strength when you got four horses quartering a veil to try to rip it. Couldn't do it. Okay, let's go to Mark chapter 15 real quick. Mark chapter 15, verse 38. Verse uh, 37, verse. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost, and the veil of the temple was rent twain from top to bottom. Now, if you study this real close, there's a reason why God ripped it from top to bottom. It just didn't rip. They said that that veil just, whether those that witnessed it just ripped from top to bottom and it's just, when, when, when Christ died immediately and became our Passover, at that point, that's God bringing His Spirit down to this earth from top to bottom. And, and that gave, then when Christ became the high priest for us, and I'm gonna, this is gonna be, get really good here in a minute, that became, the veil was not necessary to reach God then. The veil was split in half. The, the law was done away with, grace was ushered in, and now a man has direct access to God through Jesus Christ the minute that, that, that veil was ripped. 
The second, grace came in. Okay. There's only, I'm going to just throw this in here because I wrote it down. There's only one place in the Bible that the word Easter, and that's Acts chapter 12, verse 4, is mentioned. You can look at that anytime. But uh, I just wrote that in. Okay, the New Testament. All right, let me go. Let's see, I I don't know. I'm missing a set of notes here. I don't know where I've done it. So I'm going to have to wing it by hand. I've left the whole page of notes. Okay, let's go to Hebrews. I'm, I'm, I've studied it enough to where we can, I can talk about it. Hebrews chapter 9. Here's where it's, I'm going to get really good, get into it here so we can uh, have a better understanding of it. Hebrews chapter 9. See, all this boils back down to Exodus, the Passover. Exodus chapter 11 and 12, when the first Passover was set up. They're all looking to this point right here. Verse 9. This is what happened when that veil was rent in twain. Now we'll get to the resurrection with my last sentence. You know, because without the resurrection, we have no hope. You know, that he was seen alive by 500 men. So the resurrection is important, but this is part of it. His crucifixion and his resurrection, his death, burial, and resurrection, it's all part of the gospel. Chapter 9 of Hebrews. Then verily, this is, this is, this is the, how it's explained to us, how the law was done away with and grace was taken over. Then verily, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and worldly sanctuary. What that means is that all of the priests would have to come in and they would work the course of the sanctuary by law. It was designed. They had the showbread and uh, they had the candlestick, which I'm not going to get into that right now because we've already went big detail on that. And then behind that second veil was the ark. Verse 2, for there was, was a tabernacle made the first wherein, here it is right here, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table of the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. After the second veil of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, the ark of the covenant overlaid round about wherein was a golden pot, the man that had manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. That's the, that's the Ten Commandments. And over it, the cherubims of the glory shattering the mercy seat. Overshadowing the mercy seat of which cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went in always into the first tabernacle. This is his whole tabernacle of service. Remember when we talked about how Zacharias was run after his course on the eighth course. He was working his course in the temple when the angel came to him and says, you're going to have a baby. His name's going to be, you're going to call him John, John the Baptist. This is, he was doing his course inside the first veil. He was not a high priest. Okay. Verse six, let's go back to it. Now these were the things that were thus ordained. The priest went always into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. But unto the second went only the high priest alone once every year, 
not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost signifying that the way to the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while this first tabernacle was standing. It's talking about the veil also, which was the figure for the time present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the, to the conscience, which stood only in the meats and the drinks of the diverse washings and the carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. What that's telling us is, is that they, did, they, they had to work to get covered. Their sins were not removed. They were just covered. The blood was just applied to their, to, and God accepted that as a covering. When Christ was crucified and shed his blood, the blood of these goats and the blood of these sheep were no more effect. They, they, the blood of Christ was applied, and that's where we have grace and uh, the blood of goats. We don't need to work anymore. We, the work is done. It's a completed work. Verse 9, which was a figure for the time present. Let's go to verse 11. But Christ, being come the high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood entered into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. We don't have to put up a goat. We don't have to put up a sheep. We don't. This is things we already know. This is just to bless your heart. To just... to to. All that stuff was done away with when Christ came and shed his blood. Entered into redemption for us. Verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer and sprinkling of unclean sanctify it to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve a living God? And for this cause... He is the mediator of the New Testament. Okay, verse, uh, let's go to chapter 10, and then I'm going to finish up with this. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about this as we get further down the road. Uh, I just think it's fascinating how grace took over. Can you imagine if we still had to keep up with law for redemption? It's just, it's just, anyway. Okay, let's go to verse, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 16. This is the covenant will I make with them after I these days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart, and in their minds I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. I mean, you don't need to put no, to kill no goat. You don't need to shed no blood from no animal. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Christ. What that means, and I'm a, I'm a, I'll finish up right here, is, is that how holy God is. This is, when we ask for God to ask the blessing and ask for a meal and stuff like that, that's not worship. Worship is when you put yourself in front of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Christ and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for all these things that I've done. Call them out. Name them. Put it under the blood. And just like that high priest, 
were going trembling before that holy God. Oh, so God, I'm so sorry. When we prepare ourselves for worship and we get ourselves clean, can you imagine what you're actually doing when you enter into the presence of God because it says we can boldly come? It shouldn't be chewing gum and then, oh, yeah, I, I messed up today. It should be, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Put yourself in the presence of God Almighty. You know everything. I just want to talk to you. How much I love you. Thank you for saving my soul. He already knows what we've asked. We've already been asking for things. I'm talking about a time alone with a holy God to just tell him how much we love him. Thank you for sending Christ. Thank you for using your power to raise him from the dead. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for letting us have an open door policy where we can just come as we are and just lay it on the line and just put ourselves into the holiest of holiest. Back then, there's only one man that could go in front of the, of the holy God in that mercy seat. That was the high priest. Man had no access to God. But through this high priest. All right, then we'll have to finish up here in just a second. Verse 20. Well, let's go back to verse 19 of chapter 10. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a better and a living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. You see that? The veil was done away with. Therefore, that blood is applied to our hearts. And, all, and so when we come before God and we, we got Jesus and we ask, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. We're clean. Now we can be bold and come before a holy God. And all God says, I see the blood. I pass over all that. It's, I know you're, you're human. There's no flesh that's good. I see the blood. I'm going to pass over all that. Christ became our Passover and the blood applied to our hearts. Now we've got boldness. We can come in and worship a holy God. We can worship Him with, with, with our hearts. And that's what God can see. He don't, you know, we can tell you anything. I mean, I can sit there. You don't know my heart. Hey, you can't fool the man. I don't mean that disrespectfully. You can't fool the holy God. And I'm going to finish with this. I want to keep going because I, I got, I, I'm missing a page of notes. <laughs> Left it at home. Imagine that. Okay. First, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith. Hey man, you don't have to doubt. He's risen. He's done the work. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love, to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. This is why we come to church, because I can draw energy from you. I, you know, if you're here, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray for you this week. I'm going to pray for you. You're in my mind. You're in my heart. You're my church family. <laughs> When you brought it in front of me, I take that. I don't take that lightly. I say, "Thank you, Lord, for bringing them here." And I remember everybody that's here, and I just use you. But for somebody you don't see for, but every five years they come in on Easter, and you say, "Oh, it's good to see you." 
I don't mean that. It is good to see him, but that's just forcing conversation. I mean, it's not... Hey, it is good to see him, but hey, where are you going to be next week? Or, or have you given out a track this week? Have you prayed for me? Have you prayed for your pastor? Have you prayed for your fellow people? You know, there's doing the, there's the work and it's hard. It's hard to, to keep a ministry running. Instead of spending their money, I didn't like the way that color, that carpet looked this morning. Lord, anoint the pastor. Let somebody in this church invite somebody to the church. Let somebody do something, Lord, that'll bring one more soul to the fold. And I'm done. Well, I got to stop here. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together for us one, as some, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. And I'm going to have to finish with that. I'm out of time. But he is risen, folks. And we have power because of that. All power has been given unto us. I mean, we can't go out here and, and browbeat people with his Bible, but you can live it. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.